If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by visiting chriscarl.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find links to both Patreon and PayPal, where you can make donations. Any and all support is massively appreciated, and a huge thank you to everyone that has supported thus far. Let's start off where we always start with how it is that you found photography. What was it that made you pick up a camera for the first time, and why did you go down down that road of becoming a photographer? Well, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Um, I was uh, I was doing a lot of partying, and you know, I was hanging around the wrong people. And I kind of broke away from that and I started like hanging out in nature more. I started going hiking and I took a trip out to California with my friend and I took along a little 10 megapixel point and shoot with me. And, you know, I was taking pictures of our trip and I kind of got really uh, into it then. And uh, that's really where it started. And when I got back, uh, I broke my collarbone, had to get surgery. So I was like, you know, out. I was out for everything for like six months. And uh, I did a lot of research then, you know, I wanted to buy a DSLR. I wanted to, you know, take photos and I was just sitting around. So I was doing so much reading about it. You know, I was seeing other photographers. I was getting inspired by them. And I didn't really have any money because I wasn't working. But uh so I didn't buy anything yet. I would like steal my sister's rebel Canon rebel. And I right. would just take photos when I was sitting around the house. And, um, so once I kind of healed from that injury, I, uh, I went out and I went out into, uh, Oregon and I took that same 10 megapixel camera. I went out to stay on a family farm. I was woofing. So you basically, volunteer on the farm and they, they house you for free. And I basically took that camera and I was just taking pictures of the everyday life on the farm. And that's really where it took off. I was like getting so inspired by just even the little 10 megapixel camera, just like clicking the shutter and capturing like all the little moments. And then I did some traveling up and down the California coast again with that camera. And once I got back, I basically, once I got back home from that trip, I bought a camera and, you know, kind of just took off from there. Do you remember a point in the process? Because obviously everybody takes pictures, especially now they take pictures all the time. Do you remember a point in the process where you took a picture or you had a day out shooting and you were like, I'm a photographer. You're no longer just out taking pictures, but you're now a photographer. Um, yeah, I went to... Uh... I went to Assateague Island in Maryland and this is before I actually bought the camera, like my main camera. When I first started, I would, like I said, I stole my sister's camera and I went to Assateague Island and there's a bunch of wild horses there. And I basically was taking pictures of all the horses and it was like, you know, it was pouring rain and these horses were in this field. And that's basically that moment, like you'd said, you know, it, it hit me. I was like, wow, I'm actually like, you know, creating something, you know, for myself. And this is like, this is really something I consider doing for the rest of my life. Something that drew me in with you, and it's it's something that I find fascinating whenever I see any photographer that's able to do it, is that you kind of skirt two different genres and you have a consistent style through both. And you, you don't seem to have um, one being stronger than the other. To me, it feels like they both complement each other really well. 
you know, let's, let's start there. What, in terms of subjects, matter, what's your favorite thing to photograph? So yeah, it, it started with the landscapes, you know, I was like, that's one of my biggest inspirations is just nature. So, you know, I was taking pictures of everything in nature and, and my travels and then it, then it, I started taking portraits of my friends and, you know, just connecting with people and taking, you know, their portrait really, really stuck with me. And I started, when I first started, I was shooting, I don't like so much, like that's all I wanted to do was shoot with people. And I would reach out and, you know, some people would say yes, some people would say no. So, um, yeah, it would have to be portraiture because I just love that connection when you, when you create something with somebody and it's not just you, you have to, you know, work with them and be inspired by them and their expression and who they are as a person. So I love that when you connect with them, it kind of brings out this different type of creativity than when you're just taking a landscape photo. Which one do you actually find harder to come away with what you were looking for? Well, definitely, definitely the portraiture because, you know, you have to try to, you know, work with another person and see where you guys can go with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy and it's definitely a challenge. And, you know, sometimes I don't like how the photos come out, but I think every artist knows that, you know, you're not going to be happy with everything you, you create, but at the same time, it's always, you know, a challenge to push yourself and be creative with somebody. I mean, in terms of maintaining that style, maybe it's just a, a, an instinctive thing because you're the person behind the landscapes and the portraits. Is that a conscious thing, though? Is that something that you were very keen for there to be the mix of? Because when I look at your Instagram, it seems to be landscape portrait, landscape portrait for the most part. And is is sort of the idea that one feeds off the other? Yeah, you know, I think... When it comes to that, I just like to share whatever I'm feeling that day, but there's definitely something subconsciously in my mind when it comes to that, because, you know, we're part of nature and, you know, it seems as though like we're kind of going away from nature and we don't really realize how integrated we are with nature. So it's really important to, you know, spend time outside and, and, you know, show that we are as humans, like part of nature so it that's why i kind of go back and forth with it because it's it plays an important role with who we are as a species in my job i sort of do two different lines of work one being portraits for models for agencies actors and so on and then the other side of things my main my main job is as a wedding photographer and quite often i use portraiture to play off of when i'm maybe having a harder time with wedding photography or I'm not enjoying it as much. And then I use wedding photography when I'm not enjoying the portraiture as much. Is it the case that you maybe hit a wall a little bit with landscapes? So you go and do some portraits, or if you hit a wall with the portraits, you'll go and do some landscapes. Yeah, I guess you could say it like that. Um, but sometimes you just need to take a, take a step back from something and, you know, focus on something else. And then once you come back, you come back stronger and you have a different view on it, a different perspective. So yeah, I, I could say like when I'm doing portraits, I kind of, you know, maybe get tired of it or I don't feel inspired by it that I'll go and spend the day by myself and, you know, take pictures of, of like rivers or, you know, farm animals or whatever, just, you know, take anything, um, I can get, but I, I feel like that's definitely something that, you know, comes about when 
when I'm shooting, you know, both sides. So if we go down the portrait route for a bit, then this is where I'm probably going to feel a little bit stronger. In terms of subject choice, what's your selection process for the people that you photograph and what makes a good subject to you? Oh, that's so hard because it really comes down to whoever chooses to shoot with me. You know, I see people, I see artists and, and things on Instagram and I reach out. Some people don't answer, some people answer, but um, I kind of lean towards people who, you know, I, I see like a story, I see their story through their work. If that makes sense, you know, like mm-hmm. I could see, you know, all the traumas and the, and the happiness and the, and the things that they've experienced in their life. That definitely plays a big role in, in who I'm shooting or who I reach out to, you know, and sometimes when people hit, hit me up to, to shoot, you know, sometimes I say, yeah, sometimes I say no, because sometimes it just won't fit or sometimes it will fit with what I'm trying to, you know, to go for. And in terms of your directorial style, how are you in, in the sense of how can, I mean, I guess it's, it's an interesting one because everyone's personality plays so much into it that it's not always a conscious decision, but how are you directing a subject? I'm all, I, I would say I'm all over the place, you know, sometimes <laughs> you know, <I'm> re- <laughs> it really, it's, it's kind of crazy because sometimes I'm like, you know, super laxed about it and I just let it go and, and see where, where the model or what the subject can take it. But sometimes I'm, I actually pose and show the person who I'm shooting with how to pose. And I get into it because I've, I've done some modeling here and there. I've taken self portraits. I've posed for, you know, photographers and, and I kind of like, you know, if, if I really want something like a different pose or a different expression, I actually do it myself and I show them how to do it. But that's not always, you know, the way I want it to go because like I said, I think everybody has their own story. So mm-hmm. I want, I want to try to capture that, you know, like their expression, their emotion. So it, it's, it's tough, you know? I mean, you've mentioned story a couple of times now and something with your work that really stands out to me. And it's something I think is missing um, in a lot of modern photographers. I mean, I'm probably just shitting on young people here, but in a lot of modern work, there's a lack of narrative. There's a lack of a story. And I think maybe some people think that because something is a still frame that you can't impart any kind of mood or narrative and things just have to be like pretty or perfect or, you know, well edited or whatever, where it feels like with your work, there is this, this real narrative element to what you're doing. You know, how much goes into the planning of that? Do you, do you have an idea to begin with and you spend a long time working it out or is it something that comes off the cuff on a shoot? You know, sometimes I try to plan it out, but you know, when we try to plan things in life, they don't always go mm-hmm. the way we plan it. Yeah. But so like, yeah. So whenever I, I meet with somebody, I kind of just, you know, I kind of just wing it and, and see where it can take me because everybody's different. So you can plan something in my, I can plan something in my head, but when I get to the shoot and it just doesn't fit with whatever was, whatever is going on, I kind of just see how they are and, you know, try to see if I can bring out something that, you know, wasn't necessarily planned for. And but yeah, like you said, like I see a lot of people, you know, just taking pretty photos, you know, which isn't bad, you know, I'm not going to hate on other artists. I think art is subjective. So when I try to take a photo, I, I, I need to bring out a story in it, you know, like even if it is like just a, like a plain portrait or, you know, I, I try to bring out this like story because we're all stories in the end. And 
you know, stories are what make, you know, the world go around. And, and it really is something super important in my work because without that, I don't know where I would take my portraiture or even landscapes, you know? Where does the, where does that feed, where does that feed of wanting to put narrative into your work come from? Are you a, are you a cinephile? Do you like watching movies and it's come from that? Did you grow up in around art in the family? Because obviously it's not the most obvious step for people in photography to add narrative because otherwise we'd see it a lot more often. It's actually the case quite often. It feels like people that get into photography do so for technical reasons. They tend to be interested in the gadgets or they're interested in the technique. To have that interest in in narrative, where does that come from? I, I didn't really grow up doing that like much of art. You know, my brother, he was actually a really good uh, drawer. So I was always inspired by him when I was young because he was super talented when it came to drawing. And, you know, it didn't like in high school, I was just, I played sports, I played sports in college. And then once I got out and, you know, like I said, I was doing the partying, I kind of broke away from that. I realized that like, I just wanted to create something and movies definitely played a big part in it because I love the cinematography, cinematography and, and movies and and the way they shoot it and the way they bring out their story. Um, I could care less really about the gadgets and the camera I have or whatever, you know, um, it really doesn't play a big part, you know? So trying to bring out the story is, is most important. Uh, I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes it comes from my, my own experience. Um, I've had some pretty crazy experiences in my life, you know, near death near death experiences and, and that definitely plays a part in where I want to go with the photography. And it, it's just, it's hard sometimes to bring it out. I try to write some things down, some thoughts, not, not necessarily planned for the shoot, but yeah, it's, it definitely comes from my own experience and, and how life, you know, is really crazy at some points in your life, you know? Well, this is an interesting point that we're kind of heading towards here because we're in a bit of an arms race at the moment as I guess I don't, you know, I really don't like designating stupid little labels, but in Western society, we're in a bit of an arms race to see who can look the most successful on social media, regardless of whether or not it's true. As long as you look successful, then that's all that counts. And something that I think is really important to art is, is difficult experience. I feel like the best art always comes out of tragedy or comes out of hardships, tough times. And it doesn't have to be you know, something horrendous that's on a global scale, but even just interpersonal issues. I think the best music comes from people that have had struggles. The best art comes from people that have had struggles and so on. Do you feel like, and obviously I apologize for this being quite a broad question out of nowhere, but do you feel like perhaps people's constant need to seem as if everything's going great for them is actually going to affect their ability to create art? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because it's like you said, it's like this arms race to, you know, get followers and get likes and and just like seem like they're, you know, successful with the numbers and they'll just shoot whatever, you know, is trending or whatever will do good on social media. And it kind of sucks because it, you know, it doesn't force people to create something different, you know? You mentioned earlier about you've done some modeling for other people and you've done some self-portraits and stuff. How much does that feed into your understanding of what the person you're photographing is feeling and how they're reacting to you? It's definitely a vulnerable place to be in front of the camera. So I know how difficult it is to, you know, put yourself in that situation and, and be vulnerable for somebody that's taking your photo. 
So I understand when a model doesn't feel like she could do something or he could do something or they don't feel comfortable with that pose or whatever. Um, I know how it, it could be. And when I'm in front of the camera, it's definitely taking me out of my comfort zone. So I can only imagine somebody else, you know, say you meet for the first time and you're doing a photo shoot with somebody, you don't really know that person. You just know their Instagram or their social media or whatever. So I know how, how uncomfortable it could be and the challenge it can, it can bring. With regards to the way that you kind of curate the, the art that you come into contact with, the photography that you come into contact with, um, something that I've preached about for quite a while is, um, especially for new photographers or for photographers that are struggling a little bit with a creative block is to start to clear out Whatever it is you spend the most time doing, and I would recommend people don't spend the most time on social media if they can avoid it, but if that's where you are, try and have the feed of work that's in front of you when you're scrolling through social media be stuff that inspires you rather than stuff that just pisses you off or demotivates you. So for example, with my Instagram, I don't have anything political on there at all. If someone posts stuff that's political, I do tend to just mute them because I don't want that to be part of what that app does for me. I'm a very political person otherwise, but that's my time away from it. And I only have photographers or people on there that are inspiring to me and they post work that I actually want to see and will make me want to go out and produce more work myself. And I think a lot of people use social media as a way of, like you said, developing followers, building up numbers rather than maybe using it in a way that's most useful. Do you feel like social media can actually be something that we can use to become more uh, inspired and more proactive as artists. Yeah, I agree with totally what you said. you know, um, I do the same thing. I mean, no hard feelings, but I've, I've muted so many people just, just for the fact that I would see something they post and it's just something I don't want to see really when I'm, you know, scrolling, I'm trying to, you know, be inspired by other artists and, you know, and, you know, support people who I think create, you know, beautiful work. And the way we're going now with, with everything, you know, it's just, it, it's something that could change, but I I hope it does change, but social media has become more of like an activist type platform, you know, like, and, and if you yeah. don't show activism on it, then, then you're this, you know, quiet person behind the scenes or, or whatever. Um, but I try to, like you said, I try to follow people that, you know, keep that stuff offline because, you know, you know, you, you don't really know, somebody off of social media, you know, they mm -hmm. could be a totally different person than what they're posting. They can, you know, be a quiet activist. They don't have to share it on social media. They can, you know, support the right things off of social media. So that's, that's something that we really need to like work on as a community and, and, and try to strive for is just to, you know, create art and share art and support art and not worry about other things that just don't, pertain to you know art yeah i think we're we're in the golden age of looking like we care about something is more important than you know actually being good yeah. people which is a, which is a bit sad yeah it's like this whole perception you know this false perception on social media it's just it's definitely not a good uh not a good route that a lot of people are taking and i hope it changes you know yeah fingers crossed i, I mean i have no faith left in mankind after the last a uh, couple of years, but <laughs> hopefully I'm wrong. I'm I'm married, so I'm quite often wrong. I try to see the beauty in it. That's because you're an artist, you see. I'm just a photographer. 
<laughs> as as far as as far as your we'll stick with portraits for one more question and I promise I will get to landscapes. I have to kind of protect myself from something that I'm I'm less knowledgeable with. But with with your portraits, there's obviously a lot of it feels like there's a lot of conceptual work going in. There's there's you know like we mentioned the narrative there's there's not just stuff that would just happen without there being some driving force behind it. What's your what's your process in terms of planning with concepts? Do you storyboard? Do you collaborate with the subject, or is it something that you're very much at the at the steering wheel of? Yeah, I'm I'm really at the steering wheel. You know, whenever like a model asks for a mood board or you know like what they want to you know create or whatever, I tell them to look at my page because I, I I love getting inspiration from other people and and movies and stuff like that. But whenever it comes down to my work, I'd rather just keep it you know, something that is similar to what I'm creating, you know, like, so I never send out mood boards or anything like, I know that's, you know, probably frowned upon and people probably don't like it, but it's just something that doesn't go into the process of my work, you know? Well, if there was one process for all of us, then it would be quite boring. So it's always nice when people deviate exactly. and you've got, you've got to do what suits your way of working and, and makes you, you know, makes you want to do it in the first place. Um, is it the case yeah, yeah, yeah. that, I know I said one more question, but I'm a liar. I'm, I'm English. Is it the case that um, is is it the case that you are working like one piece at a time? So when you take, you know, you 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 get on a set and you're shooting, you're not on a set, but you're 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 you know you're photographing someone that you are working towards one image per set, I guess, and you're not looking for multiples from that set. You're just looking for the one image that's going to stand out. And then once you've got that, you're moving on to a different idea. I'm shooting fully film now. It's been about two years. I sold my digital. So um, obviously, you know, I try to take as, you know, little shots as possible when it comes to that. But yeah, when I'm shooting with people and and I get like, a, I think I get a, a certain shot that I'm looking for. I I try to change it up and, you know, I try to go on to the next, you know, story i guess and the next scene i guess you could say uh, i don't try to stick with it and try to take like a multiple shots of the same thing you know why just switch to film so i was shooting a lot of digital in the beginning you know like i said i was just shooting and shooting and shooting and i'd be getting like hundreds of photos a shoot i'd have to go through 400 photos or whatever and and it was just so overwhelming that um i would never be happy with the result uh, this, like that instant gratification you get when you can like see the shot right after you take it, you know, was not helping my creativity. So I, I started shooting film and once I started shooting film, you know, I got those results back and I was just so happy with the results. You know, you kind of forget about it for like two weeks. Um, and then, or whatever, however long it takes you to send out the film and get it developed. And like, whenever I would get the film back, I'd be so happy with it. And, you know, I would feel inspired to shoot again. And so I sold my digital. And once I started going fully film, it, you know, it forced me to like, it forced me to be more creative with, with my shot, you know, and not have to worry about getting the perfect shot because, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect photograph. So when it comes to film, I, I love the imperfections that it brings. And, you know, because life is imperfect. And, and I try to like bring that out in my work because I don't care about being perfect. And like, like we talked about earlier, I don't care about my perception online. You know, I could care less and I've definitely lost a lot of followers or whatever, and don't get as many likes as I used to with the digital work, but that's, 
I'm posting what I like and I'm shooting what I like and, and it's, and it's something I'm happy with, you know? Do you feel like you shoot differently? I mean, obviously in terms of having to be more selective because of the the lower number of shots that you can get, but do you feel like it, it's changed you as a photographer, the medium switch? Yeah, I think it's definitely changed me as a photographer and an artist, you know, um, because now with the switch, it's, it's more about catching those moments, those in-between moments, those, those moments we don't really care about, or we don't really, you know, necessarily see, you know, so I try to, uh, I try to be more selective with it, but also I try to be more, you know, and I don't know how to say it, but I try to be more focused on, you know, trying to get something that will mean something to me in the end. Right. And it's not just a case of it having to be like aesthetically nice. It's something that actually has to carry some purpose. Yeah. There's got to be purpose in things we do. And and like we talked about earlier, there's not a lot of that going on on social media. It's just like, you know, doing trends and taking photos and posting the best things that I'll work. I, I try to find the purpose in, you know, those in-between moments and those moments that, you know, necessarily we wouldn't think twice about. Your work is something that really, really has inspired me quite a bit to uh, kind of reevaluate some of what I'm doing, which is exactly what it's supposed to be for, I guess. When you're looking at other people's art, it's supposed to be kind of reflective of yourself. And it's that's been great. Let's, let's talk about landscapes so that we can reflect on how little I understand um, how to take a good landscape photo, because I am an absolutely atrocious landscape photographer to the point where <laughs> when I do like when I do like establishing shots at weddings, I'm just thinking to myself, God, I suck at this. I think the same thing when I take landscapes. Okay. <laughs> when it comes to landscapes, one of the things I've one of the things I've learned with the podcast is that landscape photographers can be quite concerned with taking the same photo as someone else. There are a, a great swath of people that all go to I don't know, let's say like Banff or or wherever, and they take a picture of the same lake from the same angle that everyone else has taken. That tends to be the way a lot of a lot of photographers are is they're very sort of copycat. And then a lot of the ones I've spoken to on the podcast have been almost proactively trying to ignore as much of a location as possible before they go and photograph it. So they don't get caught in the mindset of doing the same thing that someone else has done. They try and see it with fresh eyes. Is that quite important to to yourself when it comes to doing landscape photography? Yeah, definitely. I mean I've been to Banff. I took photos in Banff and my favorite ones were the ones that were not at the main locations, I guess you could say, you know, I was trying to, you know, find smaller moments and smaller places, just like the beauty and nature without, you know, focusing on those, those picturesque Instagram photos. And is it the case that when you turn up on the location, like, I guess with film, it's got to be different, but you know, how long from you arriving to you taking the first shot? How much, how much scouting on location are you doing? So like, I, I didn't take the trip to take photos necessarily. So I just take my, my film camera along with me. I went hiking with my cousin and we basically just went hiking and wherever I would see something nice, I would take a photo of it. It was mostly a, a spending time in nature trip, you know, and I went to Colorado and Utah over the summer. And it was the same thing, you know, we, we just basically drove to the sand dunes. We spent the night there. We drove to Moab and arches. And I took so many photos along the way that the main photos, those main spots, I didn't really care for. I didn't even really post those. And yeah, they're nice. They look nice, but 
my favorite ones are the ones that basically are off the beaten path. You're kind of grabbing in a lot of cases with your work. It feels like you're crab you're grabbing a slightly tighter version of what someone else might see in a scene. I mean, one thing I know about America, having spent quite a lot of time over there, is that it's a big country and, and a lot of the views are very, very big views. It's not like you could photograph the whole scene and have anything that's really worth taking. It's more you have to pick out individual slivers of the big view. And and that's a skill in itself to kind of pick out from the from the bigger portion. But with your work, it feels like you kind of grab these little corridors um, in terms of views. Quite often, not always, but quite often it feels like your frames are kind of what they would say in cinema is like dirtied up. Like there's something foreground, there's something kind of framing the main subject of whatever it is that you're photographing. One in particular, which I'm actually just going to double check where it was taken. The one that's in Jasper National Park, there's a, a lake leading along and there's like cliffs either side of the lake with trees. That framing, that kind of dirtying up of the of the frame so that you get a framing overall, like a frame within a frame. Is that something that you work quite hard to find or are you just shooting on site for what just jumps out at you? Yeah, I try to, I try to frame it. It's just so hard, especially with film, because you can't see what you're taking a photo of mm. until you get the photos back. So I try not to worry too much about it. And it's different when, with the portraits because with the landscapes, I try to just have more fun with it and and just enjoy the moment more. I'm not trying to get like those perfect photos. Uh, I just like to travel and see nature and taking photographs along the way just makes me happy. I mean, you're pretty much based in the perfect place, almost on earth. I can only really think of like one or two places that would be a better place to be landlocked in terms of the amount of locations and the variance that you can go to across the United States. You've already mentioned California and, and well, you've pretty much mentioned everywhere in between Oregon, Utah, and so on. Um, is there a particular place that's your favorite location? Yeah. So when I first started photography, that was the, that was really like the last time I was out in California on the West Coast. And so I haven't really been over there. I haven't really been traveling too much with my camera. I've done a little bit of traveling, but my favorite spot ever to go to is basically, I would say West Jersey and right here in New Jersey, I would go, I would drive around the farmlands and, you know, just try to find, you know, those beautiful landscapes out here, right in my, my home state. And how hard is it to, I don't really know many people that, and obviously I'm, I'm nobody, but I don't really know many people that, that photographed New Jersey that extensively. How, how misinterpreted is New Jersey as a state? Oh, it's so misinterpreted. I mean, people think it's like this dirty, dirty place. And, you know, it's, you know, whatever, Jersey Shore, Guido type stuff. But <laughs> I think it's beautiful. You know, you drive out an hour away from the city. I live basically right outside of New York my, for my whole life. And I rarely go to the city. Um, but I, you drive out an hour out, out west, out up north, it's just so beautiful. And I love finding those little in-between pockets, like you said, those beautiful little areas that that just stand out and I can enjoy the moment. I can breathe and and it feels safe out there. And it really is a beautiful state if you look for it. With your overall portfolio, are you trying to, is there like a greater goal in mind? Are you building up a, a selection of images with like a kind of a mass work for say something like a book? Or is it a case of just going sort of shot to shot or shoot to shoot um, and just amassing work in that way? 
No, I don't really have a plan for, for where I want to take this. Uh, I just like to create with people. I like to create with nature and you know, it would be nice to, uh, to come out with a book. I, so many people have said, you know, friends and stuff have said, you know, you should come out with a book, a coffee book, or, you know, I would buy it, whatever, but I don't really make too much. I don't make money off of this. I, I just like to do it for my own, you know, doing, and eventually maybe I'll try to pursue, you know, this full time, but I work full time. So it's kind of hard right now, but yeah, there's no greater goal here other than creating and my passion for the, 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 uh, the art itself. No, I don't really, I have not shot enough film to know exactly how this works. So this is a question from complete ignorance when it comes to photographing portrait shoots on digital, it's quite easy to know when things aren't working because you're looking at the back of the camera, maybe something's just not working out um, and you can see it, right? But when you're shooting on yeah. film, maybe you don't quite realize something's not working out or you don't have the ability to reference it with what's not working out. How do you go about sort of fixing a shoot where it's not going exactly to plan when you're shooting film? So when I'm looking through the viewfinder, I'm if I don't like something or if it's not working, I try to change it up. I try to think about it, you know, think about how I can change it, maybe perspective, angle or how the subject is. Um, and you don't really, like you said, you don't really get the results until you get the film back. So if it didn't work, it didn't work, but usually it works. Usually I'm happy with how it comes out, even if it's not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's an interesting thing because I, I've been there. I, you know, I used to have this sort of, I have this horrible work ethic where I feel like, so I've done, I, I, I think I did about 115, 120 podcasts last year. So in 2020, about 120. And I would get to the point where like at the end of like three days in a row of just solid podcasts, I would be like, I think I'm going to take like a month break. Honestly, I've, I've just done so much. I need to, I need to sort of refresh. I need to step away for a bit. And then by that evening, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not really doing much. I should be doing some podcasts. I'm just sat around doing nothing. And <laughs> I've got this, this horrible work ethic that won't let me relax or won't let me kind of step away with what you're doing how important is it to have that time away to refresh that artistic side? I think it's important, you know, this past year, obviously for everybody, it's been hard. I really haven't done too many portrait shoots. I actually just did one recently last week and it was very inspiring just to myself. And, and I think, you know, taking a break from everything is good, but at the same time, I think it's bad because I think creativity is, is like a muscle. And if you don't work it, it kind of gets weak. So yeah. if you step away for too long, you come back and, and it's kind of like you lost it. And that's how I felt last week when I did a shoot, it kind of felt like, like I lost it. But once I started getting rolling, you know, after a few shots, I started thinking more, I started trying to get more creative and it kind of started coming back to me. So, you know, this year I'm trying to plan to shoot a lot more than I did last year, just to push myself creatively and as an artist and see where that could take me. Uh, so I'm trying to go full force this year, even though obviously it's going to be tough, but you, you also do need breaks and I work full time. So I guess you could consider that my break, you know, so I spend a lot of time working and not focusing on the ph photography and I, I, you know, I try to work out, I play sports here and there. So that's, that's sort of my, my, you know, refresh from, from art. Do you feel like if it was something you were doing full time, you would burn out? Yeah, I think if you're doing full time, you could burn out, but at the same time it could be you know, it could be really good. It could like push you to to change it up and see from a different perspective, but 
if I were to ever take it full time, I don't know which, you know, route I would take. I don't know if I'd want to basically just promote my work and try to be like a independent artist or, or whatever. I, I don't think I really fit with brands and that type of stuff. I'm more of just like art itself. I feel like. It's definitely the case. I feel like, I mean, I made the switch, uh, I think about five or six years ago, time is absolutely flying by, but I think I made the switch about five or six years ago to, for it to be my job. And there is definitely a change in uh, the way it makes you feel when you're no longer taking photos because you enjoy it, but it's now like you need to take this, these photos and they need to be great. You know, they need to, they need to do their job. Yeah. It definitely changes the, the sort of the onus on you. And when you're not enjoying it, it can definitely change the pressure that's on you, which can be a real shame. And I've, I've spoken to a lot of people that have no interest, despite loving photography, they have no interest in it ever being um, something that they rely on for income, which I, I completely appreciate. When we look at your overall you know, body of work as a photographer and you look at the time you spent with a camera, what advice would you give yourself from the position you're in now to you when you were starting out that would maybe speed things up or make things go a bit smoother, what changes would you make? I guess I would tell myself to, to just enjoy the moment more and enjoy the, you know, the body of creation you're creating. Because when I first started, I was just shooting digital. I was just like, the shutter was like a, like a machine gun. So uh, I would tell myself to slow down a little bit, not to rush it. At first, obviously, you know, everybody gets caught up in the Instagram. I was trying to get my followers up and all that type of stuff, but I could really care less about that now. So if I were to say anything to myself, you know, four years ago when I started, it's just to slow down and, and enjoy it. Um, when it comes to image selection, I feel like that's the last stage of editing yourself when you're selecting what images actually make the cut. It's probably the most important stage. Do you refer to anyone else? Do you talk to your subjects about what ones work and what ones don't? Or is that something that you take on as your responsibility alone? Sometimes I'll talk with the person I'm shooting with about it. Sometimes it's just my own you know, doing. But most of the time with the film, I'm not too, fo like I said, I'm not too focused on, on that perfect moment. So I've been sending, you know, people who I shoot with a lot of the photos, like maybe 90% of the photos I'll send back to them maybe two of them didn't come out well or out of focus or whatever, but I try to send every single frame, even if I don't like it, you know, they might like it. And that's not my place to, you know, judge it or judge myself on the work or judge them on the work. Um, I don't really care about my perception online. So it could be like a bad photo in my eyes, but maybe they'll like it. I mean, you bring up something that's kind of opened up a question in my mind there. And perhaps I'm being completely ignorant, but something that seems to be more and more of a, how do I put this? Something that seems to be more and more of a uh, favorable aesthetic for, for the general public is like that film aesthetic. We're seeing like film borders being used on digital images. You know, Instagram is full of filters that replicate the look of film. There are presets that are sold to make digital photos look like film. And you've just mentioned like 90% of the photos that you, you're taking on the shoot, you can send over. How much of that is that you're slowing down the process and you're taking more deliberate photos, therefore they're better, versus how much of that higher hit rate is down to the imperfections of film actually being favorable? I try to, you know, slow down in the shoot and 
And even if it doesn't work, I don't really edit my film photographs. Right. When I get the, when I get the scans back, I'll go through them and maybe sometimes one will need like exposure or a little bit of contrast or whatever. But when it comes down to the overall end product, I'm happy that I can, you know, shoot things. And even if I don't like it, I still think it looks good. And the moment you capture it is, is a great, you know, moment um, that could be shared with the person you shot with. I, when I first started shooting, I would only send, you know, a certain amount of shots, but I would take like 500. Right. And that's not the case with film. It's more of like this nostalgic feeling of like imperfection and fleeting moments that I like to share the whole, it's like a whole story in the the role of film, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, all I was going to say was my, so my personal reason for picking up film in a serious way about 12 months ago was uh, I've become quite disillusioned with retouching. Um, I think that it's been, I don't want to be mean to anyone here, but some retouching is just on fucking steroids at this point. Um, oh we God, are we're that. literally <laughs> adapting people into these bizarre mannequins. And it's not from an ethical point of view, because I honestly couldn't care less as far as that kind of thing goes. I think that when you look at so much of, like we mentioned earlier, like the doctoring of, of your life for social media, I think that people being ethically upset about, you know, retouching of a celebrity on a magazine is absolutely daft when people are lying about how successful they are in everyday life on their social media. I think that it's like the most contradictory morals in the world. So I couldn't really care from an ethical point of view, but just aesthetically and in terms of the workload, I just become completely disillusioned with the, 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 the amount of retouching that was being expected from certain industries and going to film meant that I could kind of circumvent that by using film as the barrier of, well, I don't need to retouch it in the same way because it's film. It's meant to have this aesthetic. It's meant to be more honest. Um, everyone goes yeah. into it for a different reason, but it is, it's for you. Is that kind of, I mean, it's a bit of a, it sounds a bit hipsterish, but is the honesty of film something that really sort of aids your work? Yeah, that definitely plays a big part. Uh, because when I was shooting digital and editing the photos, I would, I would just become so frustrated. I just would not enjoy editing and it would take away the enjoyment of creating art. So the changing to film, I, I don't even, like I said, I don't even really touch the photos afterwards. And, and it's so much better in, in my eyes that I don't have to alter the image. There's more honesty to the photo. And, um, it definitely played a big part in, in switching over because I can't stand editing. I don't even know how to use Photoshop. Lightroom is, you know, what I've, I've used and digital photos would just be too, too crisp and too clear that I just couldn't stand the, the editing process at all. And last question. I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with me. It's a two part question. So again, I'm a liar. But if you were to do a bit of self-evaluation, which is something that all artists like to do at all hours of the day to the point where it can affect their sleep and so on, um, speaking from experience, if you were to do a bit of self-evaluation here, what do you feel like your biggest strength and conversely your biggest weaknesses as a photographer? I guess you could say my biggest strength is capturing that story in the, in the image and those like fleeting moments that come with it. and. My biggest weakness would definitely be, you know, end product because I guess it's not mainstream and 
Uh, well, I guess, I guess you couldn't say end product because I like the end product myself, but biggest weakness is, you know, trying to change up my creativity and try something new because that's always a challenge. Right. So the, the most important part of the podcast is for me to force other people to like stuff that I like so I can eventually reach my goal of being a big human algorithm and just making everyone like what I like, and then I'll get more of what I want. Um, the way that we do this <laughs> is that uh, I send as many people as possible over to find your work. So uh, where's the best place for people to see what you do? On my Instagram. That's basically where I share most of my work. Darian Panella, D-A-R-I-E-N-P-A-N-N-E-L-L-A. And also Twitter, you said. Yeah. And I also have a, a website I started, you know, selling prints at uh, dariansbook.com, D-A-R-I-E-N-S-B-O-O-K.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me.